Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. I know you've got that big grin on your face. So do I. I've had it there all weekend. It's not a gloat. It's a grin because we did it. We beat Donald Trump. We beat Paul Ryan. We killed Trump Care. We saved Obamacare. We saved Planned Parenthood and all the other good stuff. It is, it's true, it is stunning that Republicans who control the House, who control the Senate, who control the White House, all by themselves, They've got it. They control the whole mess, and they couldn't round up enough Republican votes to pass their stinky health care plan. Just think about that. It is a monumental defeat for them, uh, and we followed it every step of the way. First of all, it was only 10 days, maybe 15 days, right? Then they scheduled it for the big vote on Thursday. They didn't have the. They realized they didn't have the votes on Thursday. So they said, okay, we'll postpone it. What, not sure until when. We thought it might be maybe a week, remember? And then Donald Trump late Thursday said, uh-uh, no, no, no. You are going to vote on this tomorrow. I demand it. <laughs> Talked about that Friday morning. What, what the, who the hell does he think he is? I mean, okay, he's the president, but he's not God. He's not a dictator. He can't put any, give any ultimatum to members of Congress, but he did. And, what, and guess what? And they said, oh, you said jump? We'll say how high? You know, we which was, you know, really uh, made them look like total jerks. We talked about this last week about how it's going to go when you go and approach these members of Congress who haven't had to answer to anybody for a very, very, very long time. But, and the report that came out of it is that Steve Bannon went to the conservatives, the Freedom Caucus, and says, "This is not a debate. Yeah. You have to back this bill." Yeah, which shows yeah. running the government. Is slightly different than running a conservative website. Uh, yeah, maybe, right? And so anyhow, the Republicans went along with that anyhow, and they scheduled a vote for Friday, and guess what? Then they counted, and they realized they did not have the votes. Uh, and Paul Ryan went down to the White House and uh, told the president, you know, um, <clears throat> we better not do this vote because it's going to be bad if we do. And by the way, I talked to a member on Friday, Repu- Repu- um, Democratic member, but he said he talked to some Republicans, and, and the way it works, they, if, knowing the bill was going to go down anyway, Republicans were going to fly away from this as fast as they could. Because why vote for the thing knowing it was going to lose and take all that grief back home in their district? Uh, so the bill was expected, get this, the bill, they expected it to lose by 75 votes. Wouldn't that have been a study? So they did, they pulled the bill uh, and we learned we learned a couple of things of this. One thing we learned is, well, um, remember all that talk last week about uh, Donald Trump being such a 
great closer, thanks to MSNBC. Here's a little montage of that. The reason I feel so good about this is because the president has become a great closer. He's the closer. He knows how to put this together. He's got great negotiating skills, and uh, we're coming together with it. Brace he that is label. the closer. You embrace that label here as it relates to health care? Absolutely. I think we had 100 members of Congress to the White House yesterday. Uh, the, the, uh, the president's yeah. a tremendous salesperson, a tremendous closer. Uh, I wouldn't count him out. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. The great closer just uh, crumbled. <laughs> yeah, indeed. So, uh, as we said, Paul Ryan uh, said on Friday, Friday, late Friday afternoon, okay, I just went into the White House and delivered the message. I spoke to the president just a little <laughs> while ago, and I told him that the best thing I think to do is to pull this bill, and he agreed with that decision. And then Ryan says, get this, I love this, right? You know, uh, come on, uh, you know, it's this is hard to do. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Doing big things is hard. Oh, myself included. We will need time to reflect on how we got to this moment, what we could have done to do it better. And then the first of all, that's like that's like Donald Trump saying, God, nobody told me healthcare was complicated. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Paul Ryan, wait, he's been speaker, what, for four years or anyhow, right? He's been around for I don't know how many years. Yeah. And and he just he's just learning that it's hard to handle something, to pass legislation which impacts one-sixth of the American economy. Hello. And a bill that's been in place for seven years with 22 million people having health insurance for the first time in their lives. And then... He says the dumbest thing I think I've heard any politician say about, um, gee, now we're supposed to govern? We were a 10-year opposition party where being against things was easy to do. You just had to be against it. And now, in three months' time, we try to go to a governing party where we actually have to get 216 people to agree with each other on how we do things. And we weren't just quite there today. We will get there, but we weren't there today. Duh. Yeah. As Tom Brokaw said yesterday, it would be the pre- That is the dumbest ass thing I ever heard. Look, first Duh. of all, first of all, <laughs> being the opposition party doesn't mean that you just oppose everything. Right. Being the opposition party says you come up with better ideas. You come Duh. up with different ideas. You figure out and fight for as much as you can get on something. It's not what the Republicans did for the last 10 years, which is oppose every single thing that Democrats came up with or a Democratic president put forward. That's not being the loyal opposition. That's just having your head up your ass, you know, Duh. and not caring. And that's exactly what, that's Mitch Ronald, Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan. Look, they, like, just to, act like, to act like they got thrust into this debate yeah. oh. on very little notice is mm-hmm. total nonsense. Every now, single... I have to tell you, it's an unbelievably complex subject. Nobody yeah. knew that health care could be so complicated. Oh, yes. Every Guess single what, one of them, every single one of these guys has been in the House yeah. at least since Obamacare came around, right? Like yeah. all these oh, major yeah. players, yeah. McConnell, yeah. Ryan, yeah. Oh, no. all yeah, these right. guys, right? Yeah. So they've had this whole time to come up with a better plan. This is their better plan. This was their best shot. The to try and is, get it done. The fact is they don't have any ideas on anything. Of course they do. Because for they have coasted on the la- for the last well, 7 years they've just coasted on 
Repeal and replace. Repeal Obamacare. Repeal Obamacare. You know, they had all that time to come up with. You would think, okay, if the opposition party, that they would be, okay, here's how we would do things. Here's how we would do things. And when we get the power back, we're going to have all these plans ready to go. We're going to be ready. No, they're not. They're not ready at all. They are, you know, they are, we we learned. Okay, let's back up here. Slow down. We learned a lot on Friday. And I hope Donald Trump learned a lot. One thing Donald Trump should have learned is don't trust Paul Ryan. Ever. He is a loser. He is a fraud. I mean, I, I say that. I mean, that's a strong word, but he is. He's no policy wonk. His, so, his thinking is so shallow. He hasn't thought this stuff through. If he had, he'd have a health care plan in place, one that made sense, one that held up, one that paid for itself. But he doesn't. So he's got this reputation of being this smart policy guy, and if we just put him in charge, everything's going to be all right. He's a fraud. He doesn't know his stuff, and he can't deliver. Doing big things is hard. Yeah. So Donald Trump, big mistake. First, and we know that Donald Trump doesn't like this guy anyway, right? I mean, remember, we talked about this. He didn't endorse Donald Trump at first. Donald Trump was the nominee of the party, and... Paul Ryan still had endorsed him. Donald Trump came down to Washington, the Republican National Committee headquarters, and held a meeting with Paul Ryan. It went on for hours. And after that, Paul Ryan still wouldn't endorse him. Then he wouldn't. Then he finally said, okay, I'm for the nominee, without mentioning his name. He didn't campaign with him. After the Access Hollywood tape came out, he disinvited Trump from a campaign event. So, And Trump called him a week later, right? Yeah, so these two don't. So why, why Donald Trump believed Paul Ryan and bought his plan and 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 just became the big cheerleader for Paul Ryan's plan and counted on plan on Paul Ryan to deliver? I don't get it. Lesson number one: never trust Paul Ryan. Lesson number two: I hope Donald Trump learned, and we all knew this anyhow. Don't trust the Tea Party, the so-called Freedom Caucus. Now that's what they call themselves. That Donald Trump thought they could get them to vote for something. No, again, these people didn't come here to Washington to to make government work or to make government better. They came here to tear it down. They are against everything. They don't know how to be for anything. Trusting Republicans to govern is a non-starter. I thought Barney Frank said it best. Barney Frank, right, the first openly gay member of Congress, said, counting on Republicans to govern is like asking me to be a judge in the Miss Universe contest. (laughs) You know, his heart's just not in it. If you don't believe in it, you're not going to make, you're not going to be able to do it. So, I mean, that's it. So don't trust this Tea Party, Mark Meadows and the whole gang. It doesn't matter what you come up with. They'll be against it. That's who they are. They're just against everything. Again, they don't know how to be for anything. So lesson number one, don't trust Paul Ryan. Lesson number two, don't trust the Freedom Caucus. And um, I think lesson number three is if you want to get anything done, work with Democrats. I mean, they are the party with ideas. They are the action party. Uh, if you want to do make health care better, uh, Democrats have a lot of ideas about how to do that, of how to, how to have uh, – talk to Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is putting in a bill today for single payer. That's where we ought to go. Short of that. How about a, a public plan option uh, to make Medicare available for everybody? 
Obama should have done that. How about lowering the price of prescription drugs? How about making sure that insurance companies can't raise their premiums as high as they are? There, there are lots of lots of things you can do that. Fine, selling insurance across state lines, who cares? Lots of things that Democrats would be willing to come forward on. Uh, and by the way, not just on, but also on health care, but, but, but in addition to that, on jobs, on infrastructure, on immigration reform, on criminal justice reform, on trade deals. I mean, if, Don, if Trump were really serious about getting something done, don't trust Paul Ryan. Don't trust the, the Freedom Caucus. Sit, be, able to, be willing to sit down and make some common ground with some Democrats. Now, I'm not sure he's going to do that. Because what did he do the very first thing when this thing collapses? He lied. He totally came out and lied. He called with Tom Price standing on one side and Mike Pence standing on the other side, you know, like two wooden soldiers. Donald Trump sits at his desk and says, here's why we lost. It's because of the Democrats. And he says, I never said replace and repeal, right? We were very close. It was a very, very tight margin. We had no Democrat support. We had no votes from the Democrats. Yeah, well, that's hello. hardly the issue. No, this was not. Look, <laughs> so first of all, on the he never said he said it's so funny. How can he lie with a straight face like that? He said, you've all heard my speeches. I never said replace and repeal. Well, the Daily Mail and uh, other news organizations did a count. Actually, in the last uh, year, he 60 Eight times. I'm sure there were probably more. They found 68 times where Donald Trump actually said, we're going to replace and repeal Obamacare. So how could he turn to the world and to, to the press corps afterwards and say, I never said it? 68 times he said it. And four times he said, we're going to replace and repeal Obamacare immediately on day one. So just lied. And then as far as blaming the Democrats... The Democrats were not part of this equation. Never, never, never. Everybody knew from the day day one there was not going to be one Democratic vote in the House or in the Senate for this Republican plan because it's a bad plan. Obamacare is not perfect, but hell of a lot of it better than this Republican plan. And they were going to vote to undo President Obama's signature legislative achievement Everybody knew that. Nobody expected one Democratic vote. And as proof of that, how many Democrats did Donald Trump talk to? Zero. How many did he invite down to the White House? Zero. Right? He didn't try. He didn't ask for any Democratic vote. Wouldn't have gotten anybody to ask for because it was known. And then at the end to turn around and blame it on Democrats. Look, no. The reality is this was a Republican failure laid at the feet of Paul Ryan and of Donald Trump because Donald Trump believed Paul Ryan believed he could deliver his first big mistake. Uh, Dr. Maya Rocky Moore joins us in studios. Nice to see you, Doctor. Thanks yes, for coming in. Pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having so me. So this whole I see more and more references to um, the the, uh, the question about what automation is going to mean to American workers in yeah. many different areas, like uh, truckers, for example. Absolutely. Driverless and cars. Uber's out there. Google's out there with these driverless cars. 
you know, give us the overview, first of all, of how big a threat is it? So autonomous technology is really taking over a number of industries. Uh, I think your your viewers, That's your listeners. That's phrase, autonomous technology. That's huh? exactly right. Um, and so we're used to going into a CVS or a supermarket and seeing the self-checkout lane. And yeah, so that, right. you know, they've gotten rid of uh, the cashiers, the clerks in that regard. Uh, but something that's on the horizon that we became fascinated with was this was this whole notion of autonomous vehicles, autonomous trucks and cars and taxis, uh, because there is a fierce competition uh, amongst technology firms like uh, Google and Uber, as well as traditional firms like you know um, Tesla and um, and Toyota. Uh, to actually introduce uh, autonomous vehicles to America's roads. And and there are various levels of this kind of autonomy, and the top level is actually level five technology, which is considered the kind of technology that does not require a human assist, meaning that you can have a car or truck that does not require a human being to be in it. And so right now what we're seeing on the roads is level four technology. Uh, That is, um, you know, the kinds of cars and trucks uh, that require a human assist, a a human being somewhere in the vehicle to make sure that something doesn't happen. They are currently perfecting level five technology, which does not require human beings. So level four is out there now, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Meaning um, that... That like with these Uber cars, they're self they're self driven, but there's a person there who mm-hmm. takes over, right? When they that's right. So what they're testing are, are there trucks like that too? So they're they're testing trucks, they're testing cars. All of this is being tested. Um, and Uber is uh, you know has cut a deal with Pittsburgh, and they're driving yeah, on the streets of yeah. Pittsburgh. Uh, uh, Google, uh, Waymo, their car company is called, um, is actually testing on the streets of California. In San Francisco. And and didn't one of them run a red light? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what we're finding is... Well, actually, this has actually just happened over the weekend. In Arizona, Uber has stopped their self-driving car fleet altogether (laughs) because there was a self-driving Uber vehicle in a collision and it ended up on its side. Now, that, again, is one of those ones where there was somebody in the vehicle as well. But it stopped. They That's, shut it down so, for now. So what we're finding is is that the bugs, these are the bugs. Yeah. These are these are cars that are driven by algorithms, mathematical formulas uh, that, you know, do all kinds of predictive analysis using artificial intelligence and other um, technology uh, to basically, you know, um, drive. Now, you know, the the positive side of this that all of these companies are predicting is that, you know, there's going to be increased safety, that these cars are better than human beings in terms of I've heard you that. Know, safety on the roads, increased, uh, increased ecology, meaning it's going to have a better impact on our environment because most of the technology is electronic and not uh, driven by um, petro. Uh, and and then of course increased efficiency and um, and certainly uh, increased convenience for consumers, particularly people like seniors who don't have you know people to help them around or somebody to drive them around or disabled individuals or even people who want to drink and not drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet at the same time, what they're not paying attention to is the labor market impact of what this driverless technology will mean for human workers. Right. Yeah. And because we were concerned about this, we decided to actually um, do a study. Uh, it's called Stick Shift, uh, Autonomous Vehicles Driving Jobs in the Future of Work, to actually assess and do an assessment of what this technology would mean for American workers in the scenario, in the event 
there was a rapid transition to level five technology, that technology that does not require human beings. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, first of all, how far do you think we are from level five? So they say that it's not far away. They say that it's, it's within five to ten years. In oh, fact, Jesus. I just saw a uh, quote by a, um, a technologist who said that his son is 12 years old, and he anticipates that his son may not have to actually apply for a driver's license. So that wow. there, this is this is within five years' time, according to those who are on the inside. So there's so many aspects of this, right? Yeah. I mean, that I, just whether you'd be comfortable getting in a car like this or a truck like this, whether it's really safe, which I can't believe. And then you're right; so many people are going to lose their jobs. For and and let's back up. There's already so much automation on factory floors, for example, right? Absolutely. And, you go and, and all of those workers who've lost their jobs already. So that is what the irony is. Uh, it's particularly with this last election and the Trump voters who are saying, you know, we want our manufacturing jobs back. The fact of the matter is these manufacturing jobs, if they're coming back, they're automated. Yeah. Uh, that you're seeing yeah. robots on the floors of these manufacturing right. Uh, right. Uh, facilities. Uh, and, and frankly, we become used to it in convenience stores you're, and grocery yeah, stores no, and banks. The checkout at the CVS right across the street, right on that corner over there, the other side. Right. Uh, Pennsylvania Avenue is at CVS. Right. I live in the neighborhood. That's right. And I go in there and I use the self-checkout all the time. I never think about the fact that I put somebody out of work by doing These that. are people who no longer have jobs. Right. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Uh, Were there any lessons that Donald Trump learned? And what is the lesson that Democrats should learn for us to help us through that again? Emily Tish Sussman, who is campaign director at the Center for American Progress Action Fund. Good to have you with us in studio here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's talk about. What, uh, what what your call for from the action fund, right? Okay, you're called a progressive now. What is the call to action? Well, the call to action is keep doing it, keep going. I mean, the failure of this bill, the the fact that they couldn't even bring it to the floor, really is is a testament to the fact that people just started getting active. We really did learn the lessons from the Tea Party, um, and you know, moving the the ideas and the passion into activism and in funneling it into a way that electeds can hear it. This is absolutely a grassroots victory. Like everybody should feel they have credit for this. They should be able to take credit for this. And it was not just and this is a place where I think that um, I think that for progressives, it's hard to feel empowered, even under the last presidency, because either you people live in um like progressive bastions where they live in places where they feel like they just talk to people like each other mm-hmm. or they feel like they live in a huge minority and they feel totally outnumbered in their districts. And some of this is a function of gerrymandering and some of this is just a function of socially how we decide to live now. But I think that what this victory shows is is the power of the people and yeah. the power of the grassroots. I mean, the fact that 
you know, even from the beginning of the opposition to this, that Jason Chaffetz in a hard Republican district in Utah had 600 people there. You know, there was a rural district in in Las Ve- in um, in Nevada before this when this bill was just started to ramping up that had 250 people at a town hall in rural Nevada, and they were strongly in opposition to any sort of repeal of the bill. So people really found their voice here. Yeah, no, they did. It uh, and. Um, remember that very first um, sign of this, I think, was the Office of Government Ethics. The first week that Republicans were in power, they were going to shut the Office of Government Ethics down. And everybody just rose up and said, no, you can't yes. do that. And they dropped the plan the next day. Now, this took a little longer, but you're right, with the town halls, with all the calls, I mean, I, I saw Republican members, one Republican member, I forget who it was, who said that he had something like 300 calls to his office alone against this bill and two calls were for it. One Republican member said the calls were 1,000 to 1 no, in really? his district. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. Yes. Wow. I mean, to, to garner so, any sort of numbers like that is is really unheard of at this point. Like People had not been quite so engaged. Yeah, especially because they had their, you know, there, there are people out there trying to, to, to drum up support for it, and it didn't work. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, people in the D.C. area could actually see. So one of the Republican members is um, in the D.C. TV region, Barbara Comstock, mm. who had ended up saying that she was against it. So ads that were running all night on Friday and into Saturday morning were thank Barbara Comstock for repealing the Affordable Care Act. What a mess. We all saw that. What a mess. That was just a nice reminder of how off they were on what the politics were here. No, exactly. So it does raise the question then about going forward. Um, and Chuck Schumer spoke to this, uh, Jamie, if we can, yesterday, um, offering uh, not an olive branch, but just saying, hey, if you want to get something done on health care, we got some ideas. Um, that uh, Who are we talking to again? Chuck Schumer? There you go. Right. right. <laughs> as long as they say no more repeal, that's a loser. 17% of Americans like Trump care. That's it. They didn't want it. And stop undermining ACA. And we'll work with them. Uh, we have ideas. They have ideas to try to improve Obamacare. So there's one thought uh, is come up with ideas on, on health care and on jobs and on infrastructure and put those ideas forward and say, here are five things you, you kind of want to work on these. We'll work with you on that. There are other Democrats who are saying, hell no. For eight years, they were just oppose, 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 came up with no ideas of their own. They just blocked everything. And it worked for them. Now they have control of the House, the Senate, and the White House. So, so there. It seems there's a there are two choices here for Democrats, right? Which is the better choice? Yeah. Well, I'm actually not sure at this point. I think there's. I think maybe we can do both. I think there's some places that we oppose, oppose, oppose. And I would say on that, it is the infrastructure plan that Republicans are sure to put forward, um, a tax plan that it looks like they're putting forward that would only provide corporate tax cuts and tax cut, tax cuts to the top. And I would say the Supreme Court in the the seat in Neil Gorsuch. I and think that is a place. Let's put climate change on that list too, right? Yeah. Certainly. Although Any that efforts ha- to gut uh, the progress of President Obama made toward dealing with climate change. That absolutely. Although it seems like a lot of that will come from within the agency at the EPA. 
Um, so I think that those things should be a hard line and repeal. But I think that Schumer is right to say, look, here are, these are the principles. Because ultimately, this is not a Democrat win and a Republican loss, although, you know, it certainly by the numbers does look like that. But it's not just about playing politics. It's actually about governing to making people's lives better, which I know feels like a novel concept <laughs> at this point. Yeah, oh, But Democrats will acknowledge that there are challenges with the Affordable Care Act. And one of the things that Republicans can do is chip away at the pieces that are already vulnerable so that it actually becomes much harder for people. And Trump had actually said in his statement after the no vote that he intended to do that. So that's quite novel, right? The president of the United States saying that he's going to make people's lives worse so that he can score political points. There's no doubt. I mean, I think that that will be on the part of the Trump administration. The first, I mean, Trump has predicted, right, if we just leave Obamacare there, it's going to implode, which it won't if they just leave it there. But but they're going to do everything they can to make it even weaker. And Tom Price, this is phase two, they called it, right? Mm-hmm. Tom Price is going to do that by, attempt to do that by regulation. And that's something else we're going to have to fight. But so what Schumer is saying, instead of doing that, if you're really serious about making it work better, We've got some ideas. We'll work with you on it. Absolutely. And, you know, there's been sort of a, a Democrat strategy up to this point to um, to not introduce anything in this Congress um, to allow to to maintain the focus on how bad the Republican plan was. So right. get that out of the way and then move on to starting to move to fixes. And I do think it's the right thing at this point. I mean, Democrats do have to be for something and are for something. And now it's a matter of putting it into legislation. And then there's an actual there's an actual conversation. Can you get on this bill? Can you maintain? Can you help us get insurers into markets where they've dropped out of markets? Can you help um, keep subsidies up? You know, those are real conversations that we have to talk about. And Democrats are ready to have those conversations. No one's. I mean, um, Medicaid was was uh, I believe was a, was uh, made amendments to about fifty two times. Why can't that happen with the Affordable Care Act as well? Well, we should be making adjustments as we go to make sure that it gets better and adapts with time. And everybody, everybody, every Democrat, starting with Barack Obama, said there are some real improvements that could be made to Obamacare. It's not a perfect plan. So meanwhile, uh, Senator Sanders today is going to be introducing legislation this week. I think it's as early as today. uh, A single payer plan, right, which, again, puts another alternative out there uh, yeah this could be its moment it's, <laughs> no, i mean the, i mean the, seriously like the politics sure, yeah. are so like this sort of like faux populism that trump ran on that many of his people thought they were voting for right could in <laughs> fact make it feel like for some republicans that there is something of a mandate there for them i think you know it's sort of like the the quote trump mandate i think that bubble has burst you know we've re- certainly seen that over the last week but Many of his voters thought that's what they were voting for. And I think it could actually come to a place of compromise, whereas eight years ago it felt, you know, politically treacherous even for Democrats to be there potentially. Now they could actually find compromise in single pair. Right. Jason Dick is here who is the leadership and enterprise editor, whatever the hell that means, at CQ Roll Call. (laughs) Where do we go from here now? What do Republicans do coming out of this debacle, and what do Democrats do? 
uh, as as Emily handed your your last guest, I mean that there there are a number of things that the Republicans can do, particularly with executive orders, to make life more difficult for <laughs> the law, uh, make it impossible uh, right. for Obamacare right. to survive almost. But but the I mean the the issue the the, the some of the limitations there, and this is why the, it would be nice to have a, a bipartisan effort to to fix some of the issues that that have crept up with the Affordable Care Act. The the some of the issues there is that the Medicaid is is really responsible. The expanded Medicaid program is responsible for most people who who are new to health insurance. Yes, yes. Um, when once you start insuring people and you realize that they're healthier and you realize that the federal government's going to pick up most of the the tab for that in a state, even if you're in a in a deeply Republican state, that that becomes something that you have to worry about less. Uh, that, that's that's less of a problem for your budget. If you're even if you're some ruby red Republican, you're like, right. hey, I like yeah, the fact that sure. like my you know the people in my state you know that. That I that's have, why, I've had difficulty getting. You that's know, that's why Kasich to. signed on. I mean, that's why yeah. Kasich signed on. Hundred percent federal right. dollars. Right, and and also that you know you have you have some people. You know, I, I'll, I'll say you know one of one of the people who has impressed me the most on the Republican side in the Senate, at least, is is a junior senator from uh, Louisiana. Actually, no, he's the senior senator from Louisiana at this point. <laughs> he's only been there for three Bill years. Cassidy. So. <laughs> Bill Cassidy. That's right. But you know, this is a doctor, and you know, he ran in a, in a clinic. To treat the uninsured in Louisiana, uh, and and also worked at Charity Hospital in Baton Rouge. So I mean, the, the, and and what he some of the stuff that he said about you know like some of the ideas he has about healthcare are are worth kind of debating about how do we get people into the system and make sure that they take care of themselves. Right. And it's it's kind of fascinating to I mean like the, there, well, we need more of that sort of talk about like okay the, the, here are the problems let's well maybe focus the, maybe on the better question is what does Donald Trump do. You know, I mean, he's either going to recognize that he made a fool of himself by putting his faith in Paul Ryan, or he's just going to double down and just continue to, um, you know, attack Democrats and 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 think that, and then think, as they indicated, maybe that Paul Ryan's going to come up with a great plan for tax reform, and they're going to get that passed in 18 days. I mean. Which if you is, think healthcare is complicated, right. when do you get into tax reform? I've, I've always I've always thought that the the idea that they would you know just quickly knock out healthcare and then go to tax reform was was just simply adorable. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's just so it's it's so cute you know to think that they'll they'll reorder this. I mean, the you know the last time that we had this a significant overhaul the tax system in 1986. 86. You know, yeah, th- th- right. this was this was this huge undertaking. Uh, you know, it was a Republican Senate. A Democratic House, a Republican president, you know, some really, really sharp people like Bill Bradley and Dan Rostenkowski yeah, yeah, and, right. and, and uh, Bob Packwood mm-hmm. all, you know, working on this. Um, note that I didn't say uh, upstanding citizens there yeah, <laughs> with Packwood. Or Rostenkowski, for that But, you know, they, they worked for... You know, again, like on, on, along the lines of the affordable health care, it was like incredible yeah. undertaking. And guess what? No one cared. They voted the Republicans out of the Senate. <laughs> yeah. Like there's yeah. nothing like they, yeah. they made a lot of lobbyists happy. They made like, yeah. you know, yeah. they right. made they made people who like worked on this very happy. And they, they could all say, like, look what we did in 1986. And look at like this great right. book, you know, Showdown of Gucci Gulch, which was one of the best like titles ever for, a, you know, about a, a congressional battle. But it didn't really produce anything for no. like anybody. Nobody was voting on tax reform. Right. They were voting because they were pissed off about Iran-Contra in 1986. I mean, yeah. that, that you sometimes you don't have control. So right. I don't I don't know if, if Trump really grasps how how complicated this is and how many people are going to be coming at him. He, they brush past AARP and all these people who are doing mm-hmm. health care. So we'll, 
I, right. I'll see. We'll see. All right. We'll see, I guess. <laughs> uh, now, a, 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 a couple of other things I want to get to with you before we run out of time. So um, uh, as one of his many tweets over the weekend, uh, Donald Trump, whom we all depend on uh, to uh, for scheduling our uh, <laughs> Sunday show, which shows we watch, uh, says you have to watch Janine Pirro tonight on Fox News. So he tells his 25 million Twitter followers to tune in. They tune in, and here's what they hear Judge Pirro saying. Paul Ryan needs to step down <laughs> as Speaker of the House. <laughs> uh, you know, th- this... Uh, now, tell it, me... It, that I'm having a hard it. time reading between the lines now, right, right, now, right, 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 right here. Now, right, says, that was just a coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, man, just, for sure. Trump had just no idea what she was going yeah. to say. I oh, yeah. go on record. We do love Judge Jeanine, and so does the president. Uh, I, I, I think it was more coincidental, Chris. Um, I, I, oh, I don't, come on. I did not talk to the president about the tweet. I'm just telling you the truth. Chris Wilde. Oh come yeah. on! Oh come on! I oh come on! I mean, like, it, it, on, it, I mean, it, you know, this this is this was a little less noticed, obviously, because it doesn't have as much of an audience as, as a lot of the shows. Uh, but you know, last week there was this huge Breitbart, you know, above the fold, you know, kind of website story about you know doubts about Ryan Care. I mean, everything is associated with being Paul Ryan's. And, you know, this mm-hmm. was an insurance industry uh, written bill, which, I mean, not uh, insurance companies are, are uh, you know, easy to ridicule and easy to cast as villains. But uh, from the looks of it, they didn't really have a lot to do with the drafting of this bill. <laughs> uh, but, but you know, there, there's this, I mean, this is the way Trump works. You know, he, he, he breeds a, a competitive environment where people get to fight it out. Uh, I mean, he he kind of keeps people on their toes and and off balance and mission accomplished with these kind of things. So, do you think he uh, uh, was he actually was part of a he knew what she was going to say? Um, I mean, it's always it's it's tough to give the give the White House credit for planning ahead. Yeah. Uh, uh, so but, I, I I don't know, but it, like when you see the sum total of it, it doesn't seem like much of a coincidence. Co- count me yeah. in the oh come on caucus at uh, this point with Chris right. Wallace. <laughs> The Parting Shot with Bill Press. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, let's celebrate the good news. As Donald Trump himself tweeted out yesterday, we did it. Yes, the thanks, thanks to all of our efforts. On our own and through MoveOn.org, Indivisible, Town Hall Project, Our Revolution, the Progressive Change Committee, the ACLU, and others, we beat Donald Trump, we beat Paul Ryan, we beat the Republican health care plan, we saved Obamacare, we saved health care for 22 million Americans, we saved Medicaid, and we saved Planned Parenthood. Yep, one more time, it proves that our resistance is working Remember, just like your phone calls and protests forced House Republicans to abandon their plans to shut down the government ethics office, your phone calls and protests also forced Republicans to drop their Obamacare replacement in order to avoid a humiliating defeat. But, you know, while it's time to celebrate, it's not time to gloat, at least not gloat too much, just a little, but not too much, because while this is a big victory, This is not the end of the road. Donald Trump's wrecking machine will try to go on from here. Having failed to kill it in Congress, 
you know they're going to try to cripple Obamacare now by taking away all federal support from the program. They also plan to wipe out all progress toward climate change. Trump also vows to push through another massive tax cut for the top 1%. And, of course, he still insists on building that damn wall, which we American taxpayers, not Mexico, are going to end up paying for. In other words, our work really has just begun. But Donald Trump has learned one thing. Whatever he tries to do, our resistance will stand in his way. We've already beat him and Republicans in Congress twice on the Government Ethics Office and on Trump Care. We can beat him again as long as we stay united and strong. Long live the resistance. This is the Bill Press Show.